BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, and five reasons YouTube channel, Spotify too. Make sure that you subscribe in all of those places that you get our latest podcasts as soon as they drop. Also, check out Off the Floor. That is our new Discord server. And that is where not only do you get updates from us like you used to on our window feed, but you can communicate with each other. That's something that you were not able to do before. We've got eight different channels there. You have to pay the $2.99, though. We see a lot of people signing up, but they can't actually see anything. Sorry, it's capitalism. This is how this thing works. So go to Off the Floor. Uh, you can find it here on the description, on the podcast feeds, on the YouTube channel, and always pinned at the top of Five Reasons Twitter. Also, check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. That includes Better Edge. Use code 5RSN. That's number five. And then RSN, you get $20 to play. This is social sports betting. It is legal. It is legal here in the state of Florida and 43 other states. Why? Because you're betting against others.com. Join our contests, NFL, NBA, etc. Use the code 5RSN to $20 to get $20 to play. And now, today's episode. Down to Biscay. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where here's the thing. You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Check the floor plan. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop with one hand. Impact we trust, it's power have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA, featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. We're gonna go a little off script today. Here's the floor plan. I got Greg Sylvander. You can follow me, at Greg Sylvander. We've got Mateo Mayorga. You may be familiar with Mateo's work from a whole bunch of different places, but also covered the NBA Finals with me out in Denver. We won't speak more of that experience except for the one win. Um, and Mateo is a regular writer for our website, and we have relaunched the website at Five Reasons. It took a little bit of a hiatus, but in addition to our podcast, YouTube, playback, social media platforms, we actually do have a website. And Mateo writes there regularly, as does Brady, as do many on our Dolphin side and also on our Marlin side, Kane side, etc. And Mateo uh, recently submitted a three-part series on somebody that Heat fans are pretty familiar with, Pat Riley. And he went through um, the journey here from the beginning, some of which, if you guys caught the uh, very interesting and too early canceled series on HBO Max, uh, was covered in Winning Time. 
I was waiting for part three of that, but that didn't happen. Mateo gave you three parts because I didn't cancel it. So we're going to get into um, the beginning here before we get to break, and then we'll get into his time with the Heat. And Mateo, just for full disclosure here, um, I was a Pat Riley fan before I encountered Pat Riley, not from the Laker days uh, so much. I grew up in New York. And so I was, and you know, people know this, you can cancel your subscription to the podcast now, a Nick fan. And I was actually at graduate school uh, in New York in 1995, 1994, 95. And honestly, living and dying with those Knicks teams. And I died with John Starks and had to be brought back to life. Uh, so I was very familiar with Pat there. And then I just got the job. Well, I got a job down here working for the Palm Beach Post and covering the Dolphins, covering the Heat, and then encountered Pat uh, in his first season with Miami. That was my first season covering sports in South Florida. So a little different from afar than it is up close. Uh, There's always the joke about how when Pat – it was not a joke. It actually happened. I wasn't one of these beat writers at the time, but when Pat first came to to Miami, um, the beat guys, before they met with him – they all went and read The Winner Within, which if you've never read The Winner Within, you should, uh, just as a business book, if nothing else. And just because there's interesting phrasing in there, like Pat Riley's definition of temporary insanity and all kinds of other things. And he applies what he used in business. And it's it's mostly about his time with the Lakers. uh, And I think he wrote the book right after he got to New York. So anyway, the thing is, they all read it before they met with him. And he hates the book. Like, or he doesn't like the book. He doesn't like people citing the book. Um, that's what they found at that time. So it was, it was a, a, an attempt by the beat writers to kiss ass that, that didn't go very well. Um, and there are lots of attempts to kiss Pat Riley's ass that haven't gone very well over the years. But Mateo, I, I want to go back to the beginning of this because uh, you trace this from the start. And a lot of this was covered in Winning Time. Um, but you spoke to people um, – who were there, uh, like Michael Cooper, et cetera, who was, of course, the great uh, sixth man for those Lakers teams, primarily uh, became a coach uh, after that. What was the most surprising thing that you were told about the Laker days? Ooh, the, the most surprising thing that I, I learned about it was, truthfully, how vicious he could be early on while also kind of being their friend because he – it generated a lot of, you know, like the the boys mentality while being the assistant coach under Paul West. I don't want to like um, get it twisted. He, he still like uh, stood up to them. But there was one particular instance, you know, when he got on Michael Cooper over a comment that he said that was kind of taken out of context, but was still fair game in the press room. Uh, Pat Riley turned uh, very uh, vicious towards Michael Cooper and eventually a five game win streak followed. He's very much a gray character, not black and white, where you could say he's fully good or, or fully bad. He was one of those guys that wanted, you know, players to, you know, give it everything, even when they weren't, you know, fully healthy. One of the bigger ones, Ethan Gregg, was, you know, um, in 1989, the Los Angeles Lakers had ripped through the Western Conference, and he thought it was a great idea to have for practices a whole training camp style session and. This is what got Byron Scott hurt, and he was unavailable for the 89 finals against the Detroit Pistons. So, you know, that doesn't mean it's not the reason the Los Angeles Lakers lost. Eventually, Magic got hurt later in the series, but it really played a huge role in, you know, dampering the mood of the team because by that time, 
you know, the Lakers had already won five championships, been to eight finals with him as the head coach, and he is unrelenting with his methods. He is pushing the gas when the uh, check engine light comes on, and that <laughs> is what really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And also, like, the um, looking for power, you know, acting like a GM and talking about what players were making or what they should have been making when this was Jerry West's job and Mitch Kupchak who were running things and it didn't go over with them. But, you know, some of the other things on a softer side that I was, you know, kind of surprised that uh, by Pat is when Norm Nixon was traded, he cried because Norm Nixon was such a integral part of that group. And at the same time, you know, Pat really liked that guy. He, um, apart from, you know, him being one of the best, uh, players in the league and making the best backcourt in the league with Magic Johnson. Norm, he, he did talk a lot to the press, but he was a, a very cool guy. And that really affected Pat when he left. I think that um, push-pull that Pat's always had with his heart versus head is very mm-hmm. interesting. And there's actually a quote early on in the story uh, that um, that you plucked from – his father actually, which I found really interesting. And I'm going to read it out loud because I feel like, you know, we've talked a lot about heat culture lately um, with the whole campaign that's taken place recently. We've uh, Ethan and I graded the team and kind of was going over, you know, like all these uh, different stories of, of success. And this is what his, his, um, his dad said back a long, long time to him. Uh, from the backseat of a red Chevrolet Caprice, as you yeah. so um, detailed, oriented put. It says, sometimes you got to plant your feet, stand firm, and make a point about who you are and what you believe in. Um, first off, I want to say that this three-part series is probably the most detailed, uh, well-written Pat Riley stuff I've seen in a really long time. So kudos to you for that. Um, me being a huge Pat Riley fan. It's a thrill to read through this. Uh, the fact that his dad said that to him so long ago, and that still echoes through the halls of, uh, you know, the Miami Heat facilities, I think is telling. Here's what I'd like to know. Um, I uh, saw that you gave a shout out and a thank you to Peter Vesey for hooking you up with the cover photo for part one. Yeah. Did Has Peter said anything to you specifically? Because he's worked with Pat slightly um, for that short amount of time that you referenced in the piece. But also there's been a media relationship, media to executive media, to head coach, et cetera. There's longstanding stuff there. Did, has Peter Vesey given you uh, any interesting nuggets on Pat Riley that we should know about? Well, um, there was one instance I, I put in there where Pat wasn't particularly happy with Peter, but the, the relationship today is between the two. I would say they're, they're cool. Um, he recently invited Pat to do his uh, podcast, which is on the Legends uh, Podcast Network. Uh, obviously, it was declined, but, you know, I, I thought it was interesting. He, he declined Peter's, but he would show up to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's show if he asked. He, within the last year, Pat Riley went on one of those shows. And it's, um, the relationship between those two is, is, is solid. And years ago, they were possibly even tighter what like when pat was still working at nbc because pat would have like shindigs at his house and he would invite a lot of his uh, colleagues from nbc and and P- peter was there uh his wife christine or goes by chris didn't really like peter too much because he has a habit of you know just killing everyone in print objectively so he wasn't very much uh 
to my understanding, welcome in the house by, by her, but I would say they're cool. But the, the part that you mentioned about, you know, the quote from his father, the reason I put that in there, Greg, is because to this day, Lee Riley's impact is still with Pat today because between the two, there was a lot of stuff left unsaid. And it, it all stems back to when Pat was a kid and he started understanding his father's pain, getting passed over for an ex or a higher up position in MLB after he had paid his dues in the minors. That's because I put that quote in there because that's one of the best pieces of advice Lee Riley gave Pat. He, at the same time telling them, he's telling him, don't make the same mistake that I made of leaving when things got complicated for me. And, you know, three months later, Pat gets the call in the middle of the night that Lee Riley is gone. He never got to express some feelings that he had towards his old man because as a kid, Lee Riley once showed up to one of his games drunk. He was abusive. But despite all of that, Pat Riley loved that man. He respected that man. His impact is still with him. But the, re the most important reason I put that in there today, Greg, is because Pat is living his father's dream. Well, I think when you look at that quote, which is also prominently featured in Winter Within, um, yeah. he what, what's interesting about it is that critics of Pat Riley's early career would say he didn't do that twice. They would say yeah. the Lakers situation uh, flamed out to a certain degree. He was a, a, this is detailed a lot in the book uh, that Jeff Perlman wrote which was Showtime, which was adapted uh, to uh, to Winning Time, which uh, I, I don't believe Pat's a huge fan of that book. I know he wouldn't cooperate for it. Um, and then we were at we were at training camp in Boca, and and uh, and so Pat was kind of casually walking, joking around uh, with us before he left the stage. He was talking to the FAU coach uh, for a little bit, and then walked by us. And I think it was Ira who said something about Adrian Brody. And Pat just shook his head and said no. Uh, so I don't. I don't think. I, I don't think he's a fan of, of characterizations of him in general, but particularly maybe that one. Maybe not as as angry about it as say Jerry West was. You, Mateo, and I, you, you and I have had that conversation. But, mm. um, but, but I think that when you look at the Laker days, uh, you know the way that that was characterized was that thing got kind of stale. Pat got a little too big for his bridges. Britches. Uh, thought that it was more about him, was upset about not getting coach of the year. There's this whole passage in Showtime yeah. about John Black at the time, who was a uh, longtime PR director for the Lakers, similar to what Tim, Tim Donovan is uh, with, with the Heat, although I feel like Pat has a better relationship with Tim than maybe he had with John Black Definitely. during that time. I mean, Pat brought Tim down with him from New York, and he's been here ever since. Um, that's, what, that's one thing, and I want to get back to my point of this, but for everybody who talks about how cutthroat Pat is, like, People in his organization don't leave like they do, they they they're, they're still here forever, um, you know, quarter century in many cases. But I think what critics of Pat would say in Los Angeles and New York was he didn't stand firm and plant his feet. He left. And now in L.A., I, again, it had gotten stale. But in New York, there was the facts. Uh, we had Chris Herring on our podcast uh, a couple of years ago. Blood in the Garden is obviously a book that I would recommend. Um, and, and he got into that too, about how all of that went down, but you're never going to change minds, uh, in New York about him. I feel like with the Lakers, at least Mateo, there's an appreciation for his role in that team. Uh, he was central to it. Like, there's no way around it. Like we can talk magic. We can talk Kareem, but Pat was a star alongside all of them. I, my, I guess the frustration would be if you're looking at it from Pat's side is 
he brought New York back from the dead. Yes. Um, and and I don't think he's ever going to get full appreciation for that because of the way he left. And then Jeff Van Gundy kind of kept it up there for a few years with some of Pat's players, obviously with Patrick. Took him to the finals in 99. Don Nelson came in, and the Knicks have never really been the same ever since. I, I'm just curious how you perceive, as you were going through this, how, how should the New York and Los Angeles eras be characterized? Well, in L.A., he really didn't get the opportunity to, you know, stand firm and make that point. You know, credit to, well, luckily for him, Buss and the organization spared him his dignity. Most people today still think he resigned from that gig. Uh, I am in full agreement that he did not do that with the New York Knicks, especially like in that last season when, you know, he's already working the under channels to, you know, make his way to Miami. He is not showing the commitment to the New York Knicks that he has demanded everywhere he has been at from his players to his team, specifically with the New York Knicks. He suspended Anthony Mason for making a comment like, oh, he has his opinion and we got ours. Pat saw that and was livid, suspending him because he thought this man is not two feet committed. That is without a doubt true. And you could, you could possibly argue that Pat not being committed cost the Knicks in their 1994-1995 season when they lost in round two to the Indiana Pacers. You know, but I, I wouldn't go that far with the, um, with the Los Angeles Lakers. There he was trying. I, I think his, the point that he was making was – I'm going to reach as far as I can. My eyes are, are, are much bigger than my stomach. But, you know, as far as New York, um, for sure, he did not, you know, stick to his guns. He, he, he cheat and quit to get out of there. Well, and the, the crazy thing about that, too, you mentioned Anthony Mason, mentioned Anthony Mason. Um, may he rest in peace. Yeah. He, he loved Anthony Mason. Uh, he, oh, yeah. he, brought, he brought Anthony Mason here. Uh, he, you know, Anthony Mason was an all-star one time, and it was with the Miami Heat. And uh, that season flamed out because Zoe came back, and Mason wasn't very happy about that and, or the way that things played out, and he got de-emphasized. And, and so that season kind of fell apart. But honestly, that season is we're going to pivot to Miami. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Miami Heat.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. After the break, um, is, is one of the perhaps more remarkable coaching jobs actually looking back at it that 2000 Mm -hmm. 2001 season um i covered that one i was there the day with barry waiting for zoe to show up at fau he failed the physical and a team that was really a championship contender uh you know how they won 50 games that year with everything that was going on there and waiting for zoe to come back they started dwayne coswell at center to begin the year before pat found another way to go uh pat was more spo like that year in his adjustments i think than maybe he was in some other seasons. Uh, we're going to pivot to Miami next, though, but I, I wanted to introduce a little of this stuff. Uh, parts one and part two are on the website, fivereasonsports.com, but I just want to use them as a launching pad for what Pat has done in Miami. So before we do, I want to mention a great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, Water Cleanup of Florida, Michael Robert and their team, mold damage, water damage, got to go to them. They got more than 70 five-star reviews on Google. You can find them at WCUFL.com. You can get the preventative maintenance with them, which is a good idea because we know the insurance companies don't always take care of you. Reach out to them at 561-408-7835. That's 561-408-7835. Based in Boca Raton, but they service the entire area and even out to the West Coast of Florida. So check them out. Water cleanup of Florida. If you've got the guts, or no, if you got the schmutz, I'm trying to get this wrong on all podcasts. If you got the schmutz, they got the guts. There you go. Especially on this episode, they got the guts. That's what I was saying. Greg's wearing a a guts hat. I screwed that up. All right. So I want to introduce this here because I I think that in some ways there are two, I wouldn't say two different Pat Riley's over the course of his career, but I definitely think that there was, because I think he started his Miami tenure very much the same way as his Knicks tenure, both in play style uh, which was grinded into the muck, you know, play big, play tough, all that kind of stuff. Um, but also, I think in personality, we, we, I think, Greg, you, met, you know, you're talking about the battle between the heart and the mind here. Um, I feel like as Pat's – over time, Pat's heart has overtaken his mind more so than it did earlier in his career. I think that's the theme of his Miami tenure, and I think sometimes it has been to his detriment. Actually, um, it's like when I would say, "Cut, we're going to see Cutthroat Pat this this summer." People would say, "Cutthroat Pat's gone," um, and I, I think he's. I think in a lot of ways, maybe he's a better person to be around. Um, but at the same time, maybe has done some sentimental things. I go back to this, the, and I think a lot of this is post Wade and post 
Wade conflict and post-Wade departure. But we talked about 2017 and that summer in particular where I think he made decisions based on sentimentality and trying to right a wrong more so than maybe what was best for the basketball organization, which was always first for him. Um, so, I, I, But I'll let Greg jump in and, and bring in Mateo on this. Do, do you think that, as we've seen it from afar or even from covering him, do, do you do you think that that what Pat has done in recent years has been consistent with what he did in early years with Miami, Greg? And then I'll let Mateo jump in here. Oh, no, he's absolutely softened. I think maybe some of that could be by virtue of not having to be a head coach. Like some of it mm-hmm. you can kind of uh, smooth out a little bit, I guess I'll say, and be a little less rigid in your ways. But I think also it comes down to a lot of the things you mentioned about Dwayne, but also like think about the fact that his right-hand guy Alonzo got sick. CB got sick. They've gotten through those things, and he's had to stick by those guys at varying points or, you know, the, the low moments when they lost to the Knicks three times in a row on their home floor as the higher seed with home court advantage. Uh, in a winner-take-all game, they lost. Like, no head coach survives that today. So as he reflects back and starts to mature, I think that he sees how that Mickey Arison and that entire the organization stuck by Pat right then. I, I mean, I, I'm going to say this again. No head coach would survive that today except maybe like Spo and Popovich. That's it um, to lose like that, the way they did to the Knicks. So I think that you're right about it. He probably is a better person. And I'd actually argue that his success in Miami is probably, or, you know, I'm biased, but I think it's his greatest success of his career as a body of work start to finish. And so when we talk about the heart versus the mind, the mind is still very much in play here, but I think ultimately that heart space uh, is what's the difference between him having to uh, find a new situation or leave on bad terms. Whereas here he's considered a lifer. Mateo, would you agree to that? Yeah. Beat me to it. Yeah. I was going to ask, would you, would you agree that this of the three situations that this will go down as his sort of defining tenure? Yes, because he didn't just win here as the coach. He was the president. And for one of these championships, he was president and coach, which adds extra stress to his responsibilities. You know, I, for sure, Randy did a lot of, you know, the day-to-day operations as general manager when he was coaching. But Pat is the overseer of everything. He approves everything. And the, the first question as well was, you know, has he softened? With, without a doubt, he has, because we're, this is year five into the Jimmy Butler experience. And, you know, Five years into the um, Alonzo Mourning experience, fan favorites Jamal Mashburn and P.J. Brown were gone. He, you know, he he made a bold move. That that Anthony Mason or the, the trade that brought in Anthony Mason was supposed to be the one that really put him over the top. Unfortunately, Alonzo Mourning got sick. There, there really hasn't been a trade of, of of that you know ilk. I know he got rid of Hassan and brought Jimmy. That one's great, but. Really, a trade of that magnitude, like uh, Mash and Brown, now would be getting rid of Tyler for maybe someone who's better. I'm not saying you should do it right now, but if if Riley would have been consistent with what he is in the past, that would have been the move. So, but uh, to, again, to circle back to the original point, yes, this will go down as more important than the Los Angeles run, definitely more than the Knicks run, because he has three as an executive and one of those also coach. I think that the counter to that from people outside um, is going to be, 
Well, he couldn't keep LeBron. So there'll be more focus on that than than the fact that he brought LeBron in in the first place. I don't know that anything really could have been done to change that based on all of the circumstances at the time. If you don't just focus on one thing, um, I've referenced many times the piece I wrote on on Pat uh, in Bleacher Report in 2015, where you know he was clearly hurt by what happened. It was it was it was a, it was a sentimental thing. He would constantly talk about. We were all gonna all we were all gonna come back with our families and go to a barbecue, go to barbecues together. Like this is how I, I think that's what Pat saw as his salon song. It was gonna be LeBron, you know, walking off into the sunset after Dwayne did, obviously, you know, as a member of the Miami Heat. And then, you know, then you get the double punch where Dwayne, who was more important to the fan base than LeBron was, uh, leaves in that way. And then sort of the repair of the image, not just of Pat, but of the organization that you had to go through, and then the mediocrity of overpaying guys like Whiteside, James Johnson, Deion Waiters, and that period of time. What I give Pat the most credit for, actually, during recent years, and I've said this over and over, are his his high-level hires. Um, That, that to me, is the most – I mean, he has the number one – he has the number one cap expert who's elevated into much more than that, and he has the number one coach in the league. And these are two guys who I don't think that in other organizations – with someone else managing, particularly if someone Pat, someone of Pat Riley's pedigree would have been given the opportunity to do what they've done in Andy Ellisberg and Eric Spolstra. And that is ultimately Pat's legacy more than the players he brought in, because those are the guys who are going to keep this going, going forward. And then you add in the Adam Simons and Zoe and others who've been in that space. But I mean, you have one guy who was a video room coordinator, never played in the NBA and another guy who was a media relations intern. PR, yeah. Okay. And, <laughs> and that that's that's the excellence that that they've had that's that's not i mean that takes you know not just not just forward thinking it takes guts to speak to what what uh, what uh greg's talking about and, and as far as the sentimental stuff i i've experienced this a little bit with him over the years um when i wrote the bleacher report story which a lot of people didn't like some a lot of things he said he sent me a text the next day and said thanks for the nice article um, we didn't typically have a lot of conversations like that, but when you get one like that, you're like, okay, at least I treated him fairly in that situation. Um, but I, 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 I noticed that sort of shift with him. And I think, again, I think a lot of it is LeBron leaving Dwayne leaving. He thought that was his final masterpiece and it didn't turn out to be that way. And now you're chasing. And in some ways I give credit for not panicking when you're in your late seventies to make the stupid move that's going to kill the organization going forward mm-hmm. just because of the state of your life and your career that you're in. So I do think he deserves some credit for patience. Again, we can argue about what they should have done, shouldn't have done, etc. cetera. Um, but Mateo, I want to, I, I want to uh, go to this and, and let Greg, Greg jump in on this. Yeah. Um, I, I think that when we look at where they are now, okay. And he is, again, he's not coaching. Eric's the coach. Um, I, I, does, is there any validation that's necessary for anything at this stage? At, at this stage, no. It, it's only these, you know, uninformed people saying Pat is asleep at the wheel or acting like, you know, one uh, lack of a signing for a, a contributing player this season is going to affect his legacy. When you got that many rings and, you know, when you wear them outside because of all those diamonds and blinds, just close observers, there's really nothing left to prove. As far as the LeBron point about people will say LeBron left under his watch. 
Yeah, he also got, you know, the guy who's also a sports billionaire to take a pay cut under him. And LeBron has also left home twice. He, uh, it's Who knows if he'll leave the Lakers? And, you know, if, if that's, that's where he'll end up playing with his son. The, the jury is still out there. Pat, you know, there has been a lot of criticisms that he's fairly taken throughout the years, like uh, forcing players to play hurt. But those, like, I don't think he has anything left to prove. Every year, he puts out a quality team. Obviously, he's not the one, you know, in the trenches, you know, uh, instructing it. That's Eric Spolster. But he gives Eric great pieces to work with. And the last, you know, since Jimmy Butler got here, this has been a great ride, uh, that you could, or a, as much as a good one you can ask for following LeBron's departure. So there's not much left to prove for him. You know, I think y'all are going to be surprised by my answer to this oh, question. No. Um, and, and it's not necessarily that he has to prove anything because, and y'all know, like I'm going to be the one on social media or whatever forum with which I need to be on. Hopefully it won't be on uh, the regular apps. It'll be on discord on off the floor where I'm arguing this with folks, but like I will be defending Pat until when, it, you know, till the universe ends. Um, but he doesn't need to win one after that whole big three situation, but it would be really nice. And it would also, um, it would put an exclamation point on this era. Um, and it would just, I think then you would start to see the succession planning ramp up. And I just, that is also, um, why I think it would be nice to just serve up one last one so that there could be a part of him that gets that final closure. Cause I do feel like the fact that he stayed on this long and Ethan, we can close with your perspective on this. You he's sticking around solely to get one more, right? Like that, that's what this is about. There's it's not that he's like waffling on what he would do post basketball, etc. This is a, a targeted thing he's after, right? Yeah, I think so. And I think the fact that they're close is why. I, I think that if you don't make the Jimmy trade in 2019, if you don't get that guy to ask out and then get him, then I think Pat's probably gone by now. Honestly, I, I, I think it's that it's that, you know, well, look, when the big three left and I will still argue this, we will never see anything like this in our town or anywhere else again. They were literally the first social media NBA sensation Twitter. People started using Twitter widely in 2009. LeBron made his decision in 2010. It was the biggest Twitter event of the year. Social media has dominated lives over the past decade plus, and everything they did was scrutinized in a way that will never happen again. And I am I am eternally grateful that I made a decision while I was with George Sedano at that welcome party, the not one, not two, not three, and I turned to George. I was covering – uh, I was a columnist for the Sun Sentinel at the time, covering everything. I was in on the heat, but I wasn't covering them day to day. And I looked at him, I said, I can't cover the Dolphins anymore. And he goes, just go take a heat job. And that week, actually, the Palm Beach Post was decided to restart their heat coverage because they had they had dumped it basically after I left. And they decided to restart it and said – they had asked me about someone else for it, and I was I was recommending someone, and they I, and they said, "You just want to come back?" And I was like, "I'm just going to cover the big three every day, home and road." Yes, okay, I'm back, <laughs> and I I you know I'll never experience it. It was a four year you know I had a, a master's degree, but that was a doctorate. Like to have to cover that team day to day, home road, those personalities. I'm forever grateful for being in that locker room with the players that Pat put together. It was the smartest group of athletes I've ever covered. Um, 
And they went through more than any team could ever go through. And that's why when Ray Allen hits the shot of the century, it's not joy, it's relief. It's because everything was bottled up to that degree. And I never thought that there could be teams after that, after LeBron left, that would captivate this market the way that those teams did. I didn't think any team could come close. I know it hasn't from a national level. But the reality is this iteration has come close. People have been living and dying with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo in a way that I did not think was was possible when you had the best player in the world here in his prime and you had the, you know, the most iconic player in your organization who was still playing at a high level and everything else that came with it. And I give Pat enormous credit for that. And I will say this till the end. Well, I will not agree with everything he did. And he knows that. And others in the media won't either. And he won't care about what we think. Okay. But he made basketball matter in this town and he has made it continue to matter. And the fact that we can sit here and be critical of players they go after or don't go after or decisions they make. The reason we're all doing that is because he established hoops in South Florida. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking about it. And he's also, and I think this, like I say, is his legacy has created a framework with people who he's brought along over the years and then empowered where it will continue and it will continue to matter. And even though the Miami Dolphins, after about 25 years, are finally having a compelling season, the Heat still matter. And doesn't mean that they'll always matter more than the Dolphins if the Dolphins are winning Super Bowls, but they're not going back to what they were before Pat. And so uh, that's why we thought that this series was worthwhile. And uh, we hope that you read it. So go to fivereasonsports.com, check out the rest of Mateo's great work there. Um, and uh, and it's a three parts, and you can find on each part a link to uh, the other parts of the series. So I uh, want to thank Mateo for joining today. As always, you can follow me at Mateo Mayorga23, uh, and also to Greg as well, and to our sponsors, Better Edge and Water Cleanup of Florida. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. After all, someone needs to listen to my dad. <laughs>